Hello, and welcome to the Transcending CRM podcast, a show where we explore how the Salesforce ecosystem has impacted the careers of fellow trailblazers and the businesses that have leveraged dynamic growth on the platform. This podcast is brought to you by Silverline. Silverline is a Salesforce digital transformation consultancy headquartered in New York City, specializing in financial services, media and entertainment, and healthcare industries. I'm your host, JP Owens, Managing Director of Banking and Lending at Silverline, along with my co-host, Elliot Spence, Solution Architect at Silverline. Hey, Elliot. Hey, JP. I'm uh, starting to lose track of how many guests we've had already. It seems like we're recording a new episode like every other day. I mean, when we launched season two, which I don't even think it's going to be necessarily a season anymore with how much we have lined up, it's just going to be bringing on all these great guests and a lot of great Salesforce content. And I'm looking forward to keeping it going today with Jacob. Yeah, we're going to keep it rolling for quite a while, I hope. And we're talking to Jacob Hayes today, which we had a couple of different guests so far, and we've gotten a little bit into Marketing Cloud. But if you are a marketing enthusiast, today is the episode for you. So today we are joined by Jacob Hayes. Jacob is a Marketing Cloud Personalization Practice Manager at Silverline with over eight years of solution consulting and technical experience within Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Personalization was previously called Interaction Studio, Customer Data Platform, Sales Cloud, and Service Cloud. Prior to joining Silverline, Jacob was a solution architect for Salesforce Professional Services, where he led consultative cross-cloud engagement with complex customers, translating their personalization requirements into future-proof solution designs that can be implemented at scale. Jacob currently maintains six Salesforce certifications, one accredited professional certification, and holds a bachelor's degree in business management with a minor in athletic coaching from Purdue School of Business at Salisbury University. Jacob, welcome to the show today. Thanks, JP. Thanks, Elliot. And I think we have a common theme. I think all three of us have done something in college related to sports or sport management or sports medicine. So very cool thread to pull on there. Well, Jacob, do you mind taking a moment and tell us more about yourself and, and where you're from and what you do for fun? Yeah, of course. So born and raised in Maryland, I went to school, like you guys said, on the Eastern Shore in Salisbury University. Shocked to know that Elliot knows a little bit about Salisbury University, since most people that I talk to don't know anything about it. But uh, my wife and my 19-month-old daughter, uh, we currently live and reside in Rockville, Maryland, which is Montgomery County, Maryland, just north of D.C. You know the area. Been married for about six years. Like I said, my 19-month-old daughter is Joanna. So that's been really a lot of my free time and any time that's been happening for 19 months. So like you were talking about for sports, I have some U.S. soccer coaching licenses. So I have two U.S. soccer coaching licenses, and I can coach soccer kids up to uh, high school. And so that's been interesting. And that's my one kind of to do that's fun. Very cool. So Jacob, you recently joined Silverline, focused on expanding our marketing capabilities related to personalization. Can you share more details on what is personalization within the Salesforce context? And where did you get your start with these tools? Yeah, of course. So marketing cloud personalization, let me just walk through it at a high level and then kind of a little bit of value prop. And then I'll, I'll talk to you guys a little bit, more, like you said, where I started with it. So marketing cloud personalization is a real-time personalization and decisioning platform that delivers one-to-one -one engagement across channels. And those channels are both online and can be offline. The personalization platform builds a single comprehensive view of each customer and prospect by combining in-depth behavioral analytics, first-party data, which is critical, and machine learning along with our clients' other existing data that they have. By bringing together data from wherever customers come into contact with a client's brand, they are able to deeply understand prospects and customers and converse with each individual with an intelligent voice across every touch point. Now, that's the kind of like elevator pitch and value prop. But let's take it kind of a little bit of a step further and say marketing cloud personalization helps clients build better relationships with their prospects and customers through a couple of capabilities. 
we talked about it a little bit before, but it's integrating data sources and channels. It's understanding the both anonymous visitor, a known customer, and basically identifying and unifying those individuals into a single profile within the platform. It's deciding what experiences to deliver to both based on human, rule-based segments, and machine learning. It's engaging customers with consistent personalized conversations and next best actions, again, across all those channels based on behavioral data, first-party data, et cetera. And then finally, and I do say finally, monitoring success and optimizing your campaign goals. And so by monitoring and optimizing it, you're able to do real-time conversions and campaigns into the platform. So long-winded spiel, but marketing cloud personalization is a great platform. Now, how the heck did I get started with it? Well, that's an interesting story. So I really started more with marketing cloud back in the day. I was worked with a company called National Spine and Pain Centers. And my first introduction to anything marketing cloud or even Pardot related was I was evaluating these technologies as part of the stack for that company. And they had you know other ESP providers and they were going and saying, like, what could Salesforce do for us now that we have CRM? Um, I then kind of moved even further into the consulting world with marketing cloud after leaving that company. And I started working extensively on marketing cloud through a variety of engagements, which leads to personalization. So that consulting firm I was working for, which was called Acumen Solutions at the time, they, just like pretty much everybody else back in 2018, were like, hey, what is this new interaction studio or Thunderhead that Salesforce keeps talking about? And so like a colleague of mine asked me, do you know anything about this platform? I said, heck no, along with the rest of the world. And me being curious, I decided just to learn and dive into it. I was hooked. I thought this was the future of the platform. And I made a little bit of a bet on myself to say, if I can go be a niche of this, might be a good idea. That bet did pay off. <laughs> so that's a little bit about both the marketing cloud and personalization. I like how you, how you mentioned right there at the end, you know, have your niche in it. And that's something I think everybody really needs to do because Salesforce is such a massive platform and it's growing with every release that it's way too hard to find everything and be a little bit good at everything. If you find your niche and hook onto one thing, it's like, I like this. I'm going to be really good at this. I think that's some, you know, a quick way for somebody to really expand their career and open up a lot of doors instead of like, I'm going to be a little bit good at flow, a little bit good at Omni studio, a little bit good at marketing cloud and all the different marketing cloud products. If you find your niche in one thing, it opens up a lot more doors. So I like that you mentioned like, if I can make this my niche, you know, it's it can be a lot better for my career. I couldn't agree more, Elliot. And I think the breadth of the offerings that Salesforce is providing now, to your point, if you know everything, which I don't think there's a single person who knows everything in the core platform into the marketing cloud world, one, you're a unicorn, which those aren't real. And two, like, I don't know how you would know all those pieces. So yeah, I 100% agree with you on that point. Well, pivoting over to a little bit about your career and everything, tell us a little bit more about your first Salesforce project and the problems that you were approached with that you were trying to solve. I have a good one. So it didn't actually, my first project didn't start in Marketing Club. My first project, I was handling a sales cloud instance for that same company I talked about before, National Spine and Pain Centers. I inherited an instance, which I think a lot of admins do from other people who had left it kind of just sitting there on the shelf. The one of the biggest things that I first started with was, hey, I had a lot of different sales reps. I think it was about 30 different sales reps using the platform. None of them really were using it outside of just doing tasks and events and their day-to-days. So I thought, hey, in this healthcare services environment, you know, we need to be able to do better territory management and visualization. 
and assisting kind of the sales reps or what I called provider liaisons at that time with better routing and day-to-day sales calls because they were going all over the you know DMV area, Maryland, Virginia, and in Delaware going, how am I going to go talk to the right provider or healthcare provider so that we can do referrals, referring sources back and forth. So refer patients to them, they refer patients to us. And it was basically lick your finger, say which way the wind is blowing, and hopefully we'll do it right. So I tack- I challenged myself to bring in a company called GeoPoint uh, and work with them. They were an app exchange product and they do a really good job. And this is before the financial services cloud of the, and other pieces within the core platform. So, But it was a really interesting day. And so I was able to basically push that out and have transparent call routing and help the sales reps basically say, if I'm going to go into the Virginia Arlington area, I will be able to hit these 15 different providers who I haven't spoken with in the last 20 days and be able to actually do that and chunk it out in different quadrants. Does that make sense, guys? Like that was, it's a pretty cool uh, project. No, it especially for my first I remember, one. I, de- I remember seeing GeoPoint back in the day at, diff- you know, at different world tours and Dreamforce and, you know, GeoPoint and, you know, obviously competitor map anything, which Salesforce ended up purchasing. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Definitely familiar with all that. Yeah. And then just because I love a little challenge in my life, I decided that worked well. Let's see if we can go kind of a step further for the healthcare firm, which was, hey, how can I get more patient and provider data into Salesforce CRM? And I worked with a couple of other companies. One was, it was called Corporate Executive Board or CEB at the time. They were purchased by Gartner back in 2017. So kind of dating myself at the moment, but I was working with them before they were purchased to say, how can I push in more and more data of who's referring basically what patient to our practice and how we're referring back and forth to basically even further enable that GeoPoint implementation? Because again, if you take a data approach strategy, you're really going to provide value, not only internally, but externally. So how would you say with, you know, looking at your LinkedIn, your resume, I mean, you've had a lot of different positions and you've had a lot of different bits of experience in each of these. So how would you say that your experience in all these different roles, all these different functions that you've had, both on the client side and the consultant side, because that's what really makes you unique is you you have experience across both sides, client and consultant. How did that enable you to be a successful solution architect for Salesforce? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think the client side is basically I've lived and breathed this world before I moved over into the consultant side. So I understand if clients coming to us with X pain points, uh, either with the core platform or with the marketing cloud platform or other extensive components that I understand where they're coming from because I was that person who tried to purchase it to try to help with processes, to try to help improvements, try to move away from a legacy platform into something that's more interconnected and can provide ease of use for the end state user and for IT departments. So I think that's one piece that really helps from the client side work that I've done. And then kind of going into the consultant side, I've basically handled every role within that you could possibly imagine on a project. So I've been a business analyst, a senior business analyst, PM, solution architect, advisor, subject matter, et cetera. And I think once one thing that I noticed extensively is that regardless of industry, pain points and customer pain points are actually not that different. They kind of fall into a couple of different roles and people are always trying to better understand kind of the people, the process, the technology, or the data, kind of the four components of an implementation. And whether you're in FinServes or financial services or healthcare, you're trying to solve one of those points by either utilizing your data to make a data-driven strategy approach 
or to utilize the technology to better with your process to help your people manage their day-to-day a little better. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm the same as you. I know JP as well, where we lived on the client side for a long time and then made that transition over to consulting. And I think it's really helped us it's definitely helped me make that transition because, you know, we did a lot of projects on the client side where we work with partners. And then once it ends, what's going to happen six months down the line? What's going to happen a year down the line? I mean, we've lived it, we've seen it. So it, it kind of helps me to, when I'm running discovery with clients, to call out things that they may, may not be thinking about right now that I know will come up sometime down the line because I've, I've lived it before, especially on the financial services side. So, you know, I like that you have the experience on both sides because it gives you, I think, a bigger vision and look at what the client's going to want. Even though they might not be thinking about it now, it's going to come up at some point in their, you know, Salesforce journey. Yeah, it's a good point. And Jacob, as we were prepping for the show, I know I was doing some background on you and you've all obviously talked a little bit about your experiences leading up to where you are today. The spine center, the spine and pain center was an interesting background for me because I, I personally had a spine fusion back when I was in high school and I can't even remember, I can barely remember the process of which one, we identified the problem two I got referred to specialists and what that whole experience went. And even now as being, I think like 12, 14, 15 years since the actual surgery, like overall engagement related to that is interesting. So as a marketer who's come across a number of industries, can you talk a little bit more about like how those different industries has rounded you out as a consultant? Yeah, it's another good question. So I think the the interesting piece when you look at that client versus consulting side is that on the client side, you know, there's really interesting pieces about kind of doubling down or even tripling down into what I would refer to as core marketing processes, digital and both traditional, because traditional is not dead. I know many people will probably talk about that in some sort of capacity, but for a lot of industries, traditional media and traditional, you know, print ads and other components are still there. So that was kind of the one thing that was interesting about going and being that in-industry marketer at the National Spine and Pain Centers that you're talking about is I got to really grow my skill set of understanding, hey, I'm going to be doing a print mailer to 700 people located in like Prince George's County in Maryland. How am I going to target these? How am I going to make sure I don't send two to the same household if they're coming to the, our clinic? And how do I make sure to send that material to people who are actually going to go to, you know, the location from National Spine and Pain Centers that was closest to them and not make them drive up to Hagerstown, Maryland, if you know the geography area? Well, so that was one piece. Then kind of looking at it from like the consultant viewpoint and handling all those industries that I've handled, again, like what we talked about before, a lot of the times the problems across industries are very similar. Uh, and the technology solutions are also very similar. And so like a couple of examples. So I've worked extensively for, I know this isn't one that fits into HLS or FinServe, but I worked with a private aviation company. They were doing a enterprise transformational project. And what I mean by enterprise transformational is they had a CRM system. They had basically on-prem or on-prem systems that they were using with Oracle. And they wanted to move into not only service cloud, but also community cloud or experience cloud at that moment. They had marketing cloud. They were looking at interaction studios. They, they had the world. And one of the biggest things that I saw from them is when we were implementing and redesigning their sales instance, they were still having the same problems that a mom and pop shop would have about acquiring customers. And yes, it's a little different going through like the one percenters of the world to do private aviation versus anyone located in a local geography, but the pain points are still there. How do we acquire a customer? How do we provide our value proposition for what we sell? And then how can we have the technology help us improve 
you know, our day-to-day operations of how the sales rep should be talking to people. So it's, it's, it's interesting. And I think some people like to think that every, every customer is extremely, extremely unique. And while some are, a lot of them do have similarities. Yeah, I think all the similarities and there's a common thread from an experience perspective almost across every industry. So I definitely appreciate that perspective. And in order to drive that experience, I mean, we often talk about data and design and things like that up front in a, pro- in a project and really trying to educate the client on what we need to be ready as well as what they need to do to help support change management. Those have been some of the common themes in previous episodes. So from your perspective, whether in your time as a consultant or, or in industry yourself, what's one aspect of an implementation that is often overlooked? Yeah. So that's another, I mean, talk about a great question. The fact that people had mentioned change management in the past, fantastic. Cause that's usually the answer that I would give, but given that people have talked about change management, let me go a different way. And so let me, First values, or let's go back to the foundational like four pillars that I had talked about before. And with every implementation, we talk about those four pillars of organizational change, which are people, process, technology, and data. Now, these pillars help to form the basis for organizational change with data kind of being the linchpin at the center. And most of the time people talk about data or change management or even data-driven strategies. But let's talk about just people and process, because that's the one where I think is the most interesting. And talk about like what we were talking about before, like most engagements from a consultant perspective, we're trying to come in, we're trying to help, we're, you know, we're going to help them not only map out what their current state processes, but, you know, try to fit the technology into the, the use case needs, et cetera. But a lot of the times we sometimes basically leave the project and we say, I wish you the best of luck guys. <laughs> and we move on to our next thing. And what we really need to focus on and have the individuals on a project understand is. We need to help them on the day-to-day. How are they going to use the technology? How are then they going to actually have their processes change? So within Marketing Cloud, if you're basically doing a 15-step process to create an email based on content approvals to eventually sending it out, how can Journey Builder limit your steps probably from 15 to maybe eight? And then how can we, again, further understand from like a crawl, walk, run model into designing it even further so you can get that maybe down to six steps to improve efficiency. I don't know. That's one of the areas that I like to spend a lot of time on and it's pretty crucial is that people in process. But as a call out to the people before, yeah, change management is absolutely critical to every engagement. Well, and when I think about those pillars and I mean, we talk about this often as consultants is people, process, technology, but really like the way I like to simplify it as we're getting into conversations with newer clients around what is it they're trying to accomplish and how fast can they really go is if you think about the capability of it. So a lot of the foundation comes down to, can I see what's happening in my business and within my client experience? Can I insert myself and have the interaction? Can I improve the interaction? Can I, can I trigger an interaction to happen? And then how do I make sure that we're getting value out of those interactions and that visibility? And which leads me to the next question is we're always talking about value with clients, whether it's value from the technology, value from the implementation, how they're optimizing their business, whether it's growing it or trying to find ways to become more efficient. How do you help clients understand and communicate value from the platforms that you're implementing? Yeah. Uh, I think for me, when I look at marketing called personalization engagements, I like to focus clients towards aligning business goals and personalization goals together. Because one of the biggest challenges that I see, and this is almost a little bit outside of personalization as well, but let's focus on there, is that personalization engagements that aren't mapping back their user experience or use cases in general to that return on investment, which also ties into their metrics and goals, are not going to be successful in the long run. 
you're going to implement the technology, you're going to get into there and you're going to say, oh, these same use cases, we're doing a pop-up on the site. It'll just stay there for years, but you're not understanding the next phase of how to basically test and learn. And what do I mean by that? And one of the key components to personalization or marketing called personalization is the ability to ABM test. And so to say, how are we going to real time gather data about individuals, both known and unknown, do a test on our website or a mobile site or you know a different digital property to either do a new call of action, a new content piece to drive people further down the funnel. And let's look at this in real time. One of the biggest examples that I like to use from a client that I worked with was we were able to implement onto their site, basically the personalization platform. We noticed after it was live and collecting data for two weeks that their media spend and their ad buying campaigns that were pushing people to their website was inefficient. How did we know that? We went with data. And so we were seeing that millions of people are coming from Facebook. But when we tied back into the ad and the media buy, we realized that the call to action was pushing them to a different site. What does that mean? It means, well, that's a disconnected experience. So go back further up into this media and ad buying space and look at changing the call to action to then drive people to the site at the right moment. So then they saw an increase of their funnel and actually going down from the top of the funnel to more of the middle of the funnel by three to 5%, which is huge. They were a large media company. So I don't know, that's one example. There's plenty of others, but if you can kind of tie the goals to a metric, see the return on investment, have much more successful projects. Yeah, like everything that you just said about that, it's the last question or one of the previous questions we asked about was what are some of the things that are most often overlooked? I think this is another thing that is often overlooked is how do we measure success? How do we understand and communicate value from the Salesforce platform? You know, bringing in the, that benchmark data from before Salesforce, before we implemented it, or even before we implemented the current project, whether they're introducing, you know, they've been live on Salesforce for a year, two years, and now they're introducing Marketing Cloud. Well, how, you know, what are the, what is that data, that benchmark data we can look at to really understand success and communicate value from this implementation? So, yeah, I think that was perfect. Sounds like your next session for your uh the, that actually podcast, would be. I, I like that. I like that <laughs> idea of bringing in somebody and we just have a whole podcast episode around communicating success and communicating value of whatever project we're working on. I think, you know, JP, write that down, please. It's a good, it's a good call out. Noted. I even have someone in mind. <laughs> so do you have any tips or recommendations? And this is something I ask on every episode of every guest. Any tips or recommendations for current Salesforce admins or product owners, somebody that's new to Salesforce that may be nervous about jumping in, you know, to help them be successful. Yeah, I have a few because these happen to me. And so the first one is for me, passion for learning. My wife tells me all the time, she's like, why are you so passionate about Salesforce? How can you be so passionate about Salesforce? I don't know. I don't have the best answer in the world, but I find it that Salesforce is always a platform that's changing. Every release cycle, there's either a new component, like we had talked about earlier in the, in the podcast, of a new product being introduced, aka Genie, or a new feature functionality that you have to learn. And I think that's a really interesting piece that you don't get in a lot of you know, jobs and industries that you work in, because you can constantly challenge yourself to learn something new and your day-to-day -day shouldn't get stagnant. So that's one. Another one to me is give back in any sort of way that you can. For me, there's been user groups, answering questions in the community, doing volunteer times, there's plenty of volunteer opportunities available where people just need admins. 
or need someone to help them with reporting. Some of my most I don't know, impactful engagements have been volunteer engagements for me, where I go help a local you know, nonprofit in my area, basically build out their reporting and dashboards analytics within their CRM. It, it really drives home like, oh, we can do this. And that kind of light up moment for them is really fun, at least for me. And then the last thing for me on this section is I always have to tell myself to remember that failure isn't a negative thing. It means you're learning. So for me, like build a flow for the first time, complete a certification or go after it or reach out to alliances, partner in your success team. If you're on the client side, like try to do something within the platform and see if you can get it to work or if not, Salesforce is that extensive of an, of a product that you can try things quickly. So for marketing cloud, try to build out a journey and see what results you get back. If the results are bad test, try again. I think those are, I don't know. That's one of the things that I, I wish I could go back and tell myself at the beginning is don't be afraid to build out a bad email. <laughs> yeah, I think all three of those are things that most in the Salesforce community get involved in. I love the passion for learning. That's something I do. I take it very personally. If I get staffed on a project, if there's something in the scope of work that I don't know about yet or am not highly familiar with. So I'm always I'm always on trailhead. I'm like a trailhead addict and constantly trying to learn as much as I can about everything Salesforce offers, you know, very involved in the Salesforce community. They did a lot for me when I was newer to Salesforce, when I was coming in for the first time and getting, you know, connected with the Salesforce community. If anybody's listening and you have any questions at all, I promise if you get stuck on something, you post a question in the Salesforce community, you're going to get answers really quick. There's like people that just live on there and they're always willing to help out. So, you know, Failure is not a negative thing. As Jacob said, it means you're learning. So don't fret about anything. Go out and just try it. But the last question, I know we're, we've are we been on for a while now, but the last question, it's again, something that's a reoccurring question for us. And we ask all of our guests about it. Can you share some kind of fun fact about yourself that many people may not know? This could be an accomplishment, a talent, a fun or almost unbelievable story. Is there anything about you that you're willing to share to, with our listeners today? I have an unbelievable story which if my wife ever listens to this, I don't know why she would. She'd laugh at me because it's my favorite story to always tell. Uh, so I went to Salisbury University. One of the big things is we had basically concerts once a year at Salisbury. And so one of the concerts in my junior year was Jay Sean and Jason Derulo. I, for some reason, got to work security. Don't know why. I'm five foot nine, 170 pounds dripping wet. Why would you put me in security? Don't know. But I was asked to do that. I basically helped keep people away from Jason Derulo's dressing room. But the fun part of the story is not that. It's after Jason Derulo was done performing, I actually got to play basketball with him and his dancers in the Salisbury University gym, where obviously we, we play most of our tournaments. And so I like to say that I scored a bucket on Jason Derulo's dancer because Jason Derulo was on my team. So weird, weird story. And I'm sure you'll you'll never hear something similar to that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think JP is a big Jason Derulo fan. Do you want to sing some of his songs for us real quick, JP? You know, maybe next time. Okay, I'll hold you to it. Well, thanks for coming on today, Jacob. I think you may have inspired Elliot to finally get a marketing certification. I've been pushing him for years to go for Marketing Cloud or Pardot, so that way he stops asking me questions about it all the time. Not ready for it yet. Not ready yet. One day. One day I will. All right, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. To learn more about Silverline, you can subscribe to the Silverline blog at silverlinecrm.com or follow on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook at silverlinecrm, one word. Thanks for joining today. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks again. Thanks again.